0: Hi, folks, and thanks for listening to this Tordesheck podcast. You know what I'm about to say, but please hear me out. Don't skip forward. Listen to me for a minute. We need your help. We have no ads. We have no sponsors. I say it all the time. We don't interrupt your podcast with adverts that are sponsored effectively, initiatives by the government of Ireland. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were interrupted mid-sentence by an advert effectively paid for by the Irish government. Where do you think inequality and poverty comes from? Christ almighty, the the whole thing reeks. Podcasting was supposed to be the Wild West, it was supposed to be a bit more punk rock, it was supposed to be a free-for-all, but there's become so many gatekeepers out there, and you know who I'm talking about, the likes of Go Loud and Acast inserting themselves into everything and throwing money at people to do podcasts. That's not what we do. We try to platform voices that you don't hear in the mainstream, have conversations in ways that aren't interrupted by all that, bullshit frankly and be activists because we are activists we do it because we care we do it because we want to make a difference even with this tiny little platform that we have so if you find yourself listening regularly and you're getting something out of it please give something back it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise the link is at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now we want to limp on into 2024 to continue to be able to throw the odd haymaker and be able to continue to have the conversations like the one you're about to listen to. Thanks for the support. Thanks for sharing, liking, subscribing, recommending. But if you throw us the price of a pint just in the run up to Christmas, it would be fabulous. So, one more time Patreon.com forward slash Enjoy the podcast. <laughs>
1: Hello again, and uh, welcome to the PalCast, a podcast brought to you by Yusuf Al-Jamal, Helena Koban, and Tony Grouse. Um, I am speaking to you today from uh, Istanbul. It's December 5, uh, 4 p.m., and we're going to discuss starvation in Gaza, which is a real problem. I just spoke to my sister over the phone, and for the first time in, in two months, they're going to get um 3 sacks of flour uh, imagine after 60 days of starvation their family of of 7 and uh, only families of 7 will will get that imagine what 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 is the situation for families who who have less uh, family members and um especially displaced people from the north and the south of Gaza. My family is also in the south. We're going to talk about salvation. Welcome, Helena and and, and Tony. Good to have you again.
2: Uh, Thanks, Yusuf. It's really good to be with you, although, you know, every time we talk, the situation seems to be getting worse. But it's important that we get this message out. And thank you for your leadership here at uh, the PowerCast.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys, and um again, just great feedback to the last few episodes. I really enjoyed uh, Baha as in- inputs, and I know there was a it was really, really excellent, and to get that feedback. So, just remind listeners, please leave a review. That's it. If you leave a review, it pushes us up the charts, and when it pushes you up the charts, more people find us. So, so just just think of if you're listening now and you like it, and you want people to find it that's the simplest way to do it. Give us a little bit of a bump or just send them a WhatsApp and tell them to, to where to find us because that's, that's word of mouth is, is really important as well. Sorry, Yusuf, go ahead. Yes, I think it's important
1: and um, I was very uh, glad to hear some feedback from our friends and followers in Kuala Lumpur over a dinner uh, just two days ago. Um, and speaking of food, my family is being starved today and it's really, you know, very difficult that Palestinians who live outside Gaza have to just, like, act normally while our families back home are being starved. Like, we go to work, we eat, but we have this sense of guilt, um, especially when starvation is uh, being used, uh, Helena and Tony as a, a weapon of war. This is horrible, you know. And I just some... I, I have some very depressing statistics uh this is a very depressing topic but we have to talk about it because it's real otherwise you know change will not take place and people will continue to be starved if they do not die because of israeli bombardment they will die because of the lack of food and it's serious and real i'm telling you israel has been planning to push people um south by using starvation. This was one of their weapons. And there are people now who are asking for food on social media in Gaza. I've seen this and it's real. So we have to talk about it now. It's very urgent. Um, The UN World Food Program has warned of the possibility of a famine in Gaza. And I think this rings a bell, Tony, in in, in Ireland. And uh, the Euromed Monitor for Human Rights said that the Israeli war of starvation has taken very dangerous turns, including cutting off all food supplies to the northern half of the Gaza Strip, uh, bombing of and destroying factories, bakeries, food stores. According to the United Nations, no bakery in the northern Gaza Strip has been active since November 7. And again, the majority of bakeries in the middle area of the Gaza Strip, for example, where my family lives, and this is part of the south south of the Gaza Valley, uh, only one bakery is, is active. And with no fuel, this bakery is practically uh, inactive as well. Um, Tony, what does famine hmm. remind you of in, in, in Ireland?
0: Well, obviously, The Irish, I mean, it's 2023 and the Irish population has only recovered to what it was pre what we call on Gortemore, the Great Hunger. It's really, you know, anywhere, depending on what you want to talk about, 1879. But to put that in context for folks, in 1879, we had the same population as we do today of 6.8 million people on the island of Ireland. We've only recovered to that now. We lost half of our population uh, through either famine or or people who just simply had to emigrate. They got onto what are called um, coffin ships is what we commonly call them. In fact, one of the um, one of the nice uh, areas where I like to go for runs, there's little shoes on the wall because this is the, they call them the famine walks where people had to walk from the midlands of the country to get to Dublin, to get to a port, to get onto a boat if they had enough money and they were the fortunate ones who got to, to leave. Much of that was done on the basis that Ireland did have the resources, but the resources were being striplined and given to the British Empire, as it happens. Um, and we see that now. And and to, to put it into context of even to put it in today's context, you know, Ireland now boasts uh, an ability within our agricultural output to to make enough calories. Let's put this clear: to enough calorie count that we export to feed. Up to 48, 50 million people. Now, you know, that's a whole, there's a whole issue of of food sustainability that that I won't get into today with that. But to show show what it meant is we're a small island and we couldn't sustain ourselves because we were being, it was the money, the the, the calories were literally being taken out via food to fund British army um, colonialism and imperialism. Uh, and then, and just to go, and just to just to say exactly what reiterate what um, Yusuf said at the outset: nothing kills like hunger. Um, there's a report only this year that shows the and it opens with the phrase and I want to use it here: guns, missiles, bombs. This is what we picture when we think of conflict. We imagine explosions, violence, and bloodshed. What we don't imagine is the most devastation is caused by the deadliest weapon of all: hunger. And when you when you use hunger to to placate a uh, a, a population, you're you're absolutely destroying them emotionally, physically, and uh, and it's you know we've seen it used against the Armenians, and now we and we've seen it used in Ireland, and and it's something that, um, again I, I I'll, I'll come. I'll, Yusuf mentioned the World World Food Program. I think Helen, you mentioned the World Food Program. We saw yesterday. I think they said they're going to stop funding uh, providing food in Syria. It's a very dangerous time.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Tony. You know, speaking of calories, there was an Israeli policy that lasted from 2007 to 2010, um, according to to which the Israeli military, uh, which which is in charge of the blockade of Gaza, calculated the number of calories that each Palestinian uh, needed, the minimum number of calories necessary to keep Gaza residents from um, starvation. So this rings another bell for me as a Palestinian from Gaza, um, Helena. Uh, you've, you know, covered the uh, civil war in, in Lebanon and you know the siege of Beirut, and um, you know Israel is using similar tactics today, including the uh, carpet bombardment of the Gaza Strip, as well as starvation that was used at the time. Um, to push people to surrender. Uh, how do you view Israeli, you know, this Israeli policy today, targeting Palestinians and using salvation as a weapon of war, but also looking at the U.S. history itself and how salvation was used to to push people to surrender.
2: Oh goodness, there's so much to talk about there, Tony. Yusuf, I'll try and keep it as brief as I can. Um, So back to the 1982 Israeli assault against the Palestinians in Beirut. Yes, they did encircle West Beirut, which is where the Palestinian refugee camps of Sabra and Shatila were, um, and they bombarded it. And they, you know, tried to use siege tactics exactly the same. Actually, in Lebanon, it was a little bit easier because there were, you know, well-known um, trails and paths there through which people could smuggle in, you know, basic foodstuffs and so on and so forth. The other thing that was really significant about what happened in 1982 is that Ronald Reagan, the very right-wing um, Republican president, actually picked up the phone and told Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin to stop the bombing, and the bombing stopped. You know, it now it didn't solve things for the Palestinians, but even Reagan, who was horrified by the pictures coming out of Beirut, picked up the phone and told Begin to stop. And Begin did stop. I think people need to understand that our president today, Joe Biden, has exactly that same power. He could do exactly that same thing. So, yeah, the whole long history of the use of starvation as The settler colonial projects spread around the world as a person of English heritage. I am sadly um, familiar with this, both in the Irish context. We should not forget Bengal. During the second world war, the English made a deliberate decision to starve three million Bengalis. That's the, the estimate of the number of people who died because the English, the British army was taking the calories out of Bengal to feed their armies. So it it happened there. It happened in Malaysia. It happened on this continent, Turtle Island, sometimes known as the United States of America, where the Anglo settlers deliberately killed massive herds of buffaloes in order to deny the Native Americans their basic food source. So, yeah, I mean... (laughs) The use of starvation to subject and subordinate um, indigenous peoples is is a long and really disgusting history. It is also um, considered to be one of the tools of genocide. And we need to bring that word into this because obviously you're trying to, to destroy a whole people
1: you know this is really sad you know seeing this tactic uh, using starvation as a weapon of war um, the genocide in gaza is just another example and um, it's not the only example but it's something that we see today in front of our w- in front of our eyes and um, multiple people are watching with horror as palestinians in gaza are being um, assault but we have to also remember that israel paved the way for this starvation process to happen in Gaza by targeting water trucks and tanks, uh, solar panels. Um, they've also you know, uh, made sure that Palestinians do not have access to food by targeting um, bakeries. So it was a very uh, meticulously planned campaign uh, to bring Palestinians or to push them to surrender in, in, in Gaza. Even in the south of Gaza, where my family lives, people are still struggling with, you know, finding food supplies, and the prices have just, you know, gone up very high in a crazy way. Uh, my family is telling me that, uh, you know, getting some food items would cost them ten times. Uh, what used to cost them before uh, October uh, 7. And this is you know normal. It's sad, but it's normal when the population is just increasing by the day due to displacement. The UN said 1.9 million people in Gaza are displaced. That's like the vast majority of the population of Gaza of 2.3 million. Uh, and then you have limited resources, not just limited, but shrinking resources which are decreasing by the day because you know we have to talk about the history of, of, of Gaza uh, to understand how the war uh, in Gaza, the genocide uh, in Gaza, is impacting people's ability to uh, have access to food. So what we know today as the Gaza Strip uh, is in fact way smaller than what used to be the Gaza Strip in 1948. Uh, So the um, overall space in Gaza has been shrinking. Israel created military zones in Gaza over the years, and uh, they also created buffer zones. So in the past, Palestinian fishermen wouldn't fish beyond three nautical miles. Um, But also, I have this map in front of me uh, the uh, truce line in, in Gaza in February 1949 uh, included 554 kilometers of land. So this was Gaza's uh, overall you know um, space uh, according to this uh, agreement. Uh, but then Israel created another uh, truce line for Palestinians in 1950 which included 362 kilometers only. And after that, they created another risk zone of 35 kilometers. So, And then we have a buffer zone now in Gaza. So 70% of Gaza's fertile land, speaking of agriculture, is located in this buffer zone, which is very close to, to, to the borders. What Palestinians in Gaza call the fence with Israel. So now technically with Israeli tanks reaching Deir al-Balah through Salah al-Din Street Israel is planning to cut the Gaza Strip into at least 3 isolated geographies if not 4. So the entire Gaza Strip will turn into uh an isolated, you know, piece of land the same as the situation is now in in the north of Gaza and Gaza City. And this will again and again contribute to salvation. Because Israel will say, you know, Palestinians can only get food in the Mawasi area, which is in the south of Gaza, Rafah, uh, according to to their plans. They have divided Gaza into blocks, um, and now they're intensifying their war against the south of Gaza. Yesterday, dozens of Palestinians were killed in Khan Yunis, uh, and there is a huge destruction. It's clear that Israel is heading
0: south um just on one just a couple of things on that are important to kind of point out to the listeners this is also ecocide i know we're talking genocide here but it's also ecocide where the destruction of the of the land that people need to grow food and this is not been a this is not a new tactic this has been done before i remember in 2021 during an escalation they um attacked uh crops they attacked Beehives, beehives were were destroyed. They destroyed uh, people people's goats. So they destroyed they destroyed herds. And these are these are common tactics. And it, it is yet again, you know, the international community has to know that this is not a new thing. This is it, it's ecocide on top of genocide on top of ethnic cleansing. <laughs> um, you know, we can just keep adding the list, but it's really important we point out because it's so effective. I mean, right now, it's estimated that fifty million people in the world that that are what we call food insecure. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. That figure is growing by the day. And now Gaza is 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 now literally the biggest concern when you hear people from the EU or from the UN saying that, that a famine is, is, is already is already taking place. And I spoke to a young guy, I don't know if you, if you know him, um, uh, Yunus El Halak, and uh, he spoke now about being sick himself. And this was yesterday he told me he's been sick because he can't get clean water. And he's just losing weight because naturally, if you're not getting clean water, you're going to end up with diseases like dysentery. And this is this is what's happening. So, you know, we can't look away and we know the, the you can hear the bombs and the drones when you're on the phone to people in Gaza. But they're also being killed slowly and 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 methodically by, by hunger.
2: Yeah, I, I would like to just come in and uh, tie together some of what the two of you have been saying, which is really important. Um, Tony's quite right to call this ecocide, but before there was the ecocide of Gaza, there was the stealing of the land of the people. Remember that 70% of people in Gaza are refugees from within, from the other side of the armistice line, from within what people call 1948 Israel. So, you know, they had extensive lands, farms, properties. On, the is- on what is now the Israeli side. But in 1948, 49, and 1950, as Yusuf told us, they were pushed off that land, pushed into ever smaller and smaller area, which you could call a concentration camp, because that's kind of what a concentration camp is. So, you know, then they, they have their little Their beehives and their aquaculture and what they can in Gaza, but that, but they can look, they can't exactly look over the fence, but they can imagine over the fence that their families, lands and properties are there and are being used by the Israeli settler colonies there, which are called, you know, kibbutzes and moshavs and whatever. So, you know, that's just part of the background. I think the present plan of many in the Israeli government is actually to push the remaining Palestinians of Gaza over into Egypt. And thus far, both the Palestinians and the Egyptians have resisted that plan. But what can the rest of us in the international community do to ensure that, you know, Palestinian life and community and society in Gaza can be preserved because it's I mean, I feel terrible because it's my country's bombs and my country's veto at the United Nations that is allowing this to happen.
1: I mean, yes, you know, Gaza's land has been shrinking and the population has been increasing from 100,000 in 1948, um, June, to... 300,000 in October 1948. Uh, but again, this number today is 2.3 million and it's increasing by the day. There are like up to 6,000 Palestinian babies born uh, every every month and we can imagine the horror of, of delivering under Israeli bombs, which is another topic we, we could talk about later. Um, but we have also to look at Israel's mentality and their history, an Israeli minister said, and I'm bringing to you some headlines here, uh dear listeners, uh, that losing land is price Arabs understand, and again, it's a continuation of what happened in nineteen forty eight uh, The Washington Post says aid is trickling in, but Gaza still grows hungrier, and finally, dozens killed as Israel invades. Um, Khan Yunis, and you wouldn't be surprised to know that many of these people who died in Khan Yunis last night might have been hungry and it's a shame a shame really I, I really cannot understand this not just as a Palestinian but also as a human being how the world is allowing the mass starvation of 2.3 million people we live in 2023 people are not dying because you know, we use very basic um, agriculture methods and we do not have uh, production. This is the age of mass production, including agricultural production. It's not because of the lack of food. We have thousands of food trucks, aid trucks, stuck on the Egyptian side of Rafah. But the world is not allowing Palestinians to have access to food. Because why? They have to get an Israeli permission to feed Palestinians in Gaza. It's just ridiculous, and I'm very angry, you can tell from my tone, Helena. But again, I'm seeing my family being starved in Gaza in the front of the word, and the word is not doing enough, not doing nothing basically to stop this starvation.
2: Yusuf, you're quite right to be angry. Um, I mean, I am angry, and it's not even my family, it's your family, but you know, I'm angry on their behalf. So I have actually been proposing for a while that the United Nations, that the global majority of states in the United Nations should actually intervene and somehow overthrow the U.S. veto in the Security Council and say that the United Nations is going to organize a massive fleet of aid hospital ships and food ships that will go to Gaza, you know, through the Mediterranean or or trucks that go through Egypt without being subject to Israel's siege. They will break Israel's siege. And, you know, thus far, the global majority has not been prepared I have to confess, the global majority has not been prepared to confront the U.S. veto on this issue. So we need a lot more um, campaigns globally and here in the United States in order to end this veto. So the veto protects Israel in what it's doing at the same time that America continues to send bombs. You know, by the thousand, large bombs, targeted bombs, middle-sized bombs, all kinds of bombs. Bunker busters. Is- yeah, 2,000-pound bunk- bunker busters. So, you know, I think a big part of the problem, its it, obviously what the Israelis are doing is bad, but the protection and support that the U- American government is giving them is what is enabling this to go ahead.
0: Can I make one other point and I want to blame the media on this of which undoubtedly I am part of the media ecosystem, but there is a problem with the passive voice that goes into this thing. You know, we see this week where um, uh, where ch- ch- babies were were killed they were effectively killed in a hospital and it was uh, found found dead was was the the uh, New York Times headline and it goes back to it again with it, with the story that's gone around about senior US lawmakers to review plan linking Gaza refugee resettlement to US aid to arab countries and here's the here's the here's the passive voice part a new initiative submitted to the U.S. Congress, as if it, it, an initiative. You know, we can talk about ethnic cleansing, but we rebrand it as 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 an initiative. And this is where we we this is where we are now. It, it is literally talking about it in those terms, and it is it is then going back to what I've often said: the biggest problem with this is you you end up saying, well. We'll give debt relief to Egypt. We'll go to the World Bank and we'll we'll write down debt. We'll 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 move and we'll and we'll then we'll then make tied aid because we know in the global aid in the global struggle for getting aid to developing countries, it's always tied. You know, there's always you know it was, it's extractivism. Generally, for every dollar the developed world puts in, we somehow take out four. You know, um, in other ways. And this is the this is the, this is what we're up against. So you the question of how does how do we do more? Well, we call it passive voice nonsense first of all, and, and name and say what it is and then and then the second thing is we 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 do what helena says we try to build that that coalition that says you know we're gonna go we're gonna go ahead anyway i know it's very difficult and it sounds impossible but sometimes you know if i'm gonna i'm gonna get in trouble because i think i'm gonna quote lenin there are uh, decades where nothing happens and then there are weeks when 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 decades happen and we just need one of those weeks where decades happen of of progress so um that would be my take on it, but yes, I I, I understand your anger, Yusuf. Um, I understand why it, it you're you're afraid for your family, and and everybody listening will do that. But I also want to make a point. Final point I make is that this has been coming before because the global south has been starving people, particularly they use the excuse of the Ukraine war and the UN grain deal that they had between Russia and the Ukraine to limit uh, exports from the EU out into developing countries and made it more expensive. So there has been this has been coming. This is just a, this is just a nasty escalation and a, and it's been used as a weapon of war now. Um, thank you, Tony
1: and, and Helena. My friend Tamer Hamam uh, tweeted two days ago that they put kids to sleep before dinner time because they didn't they, they did not have enough food to feed them. And again, this is in the south of Gaza, um, where they were um, displaced. Uh, you spoke of the uh, complicity of somewhat co- governments by providing, you know, Israel with the protection. But at the same time, I think Palestinians also remember what their friends were supposed to do. Um, the inaction of some friends, Palestinian, you know, uh, or you know, supporters of the Palestinian cause, allowing this to happen, will also be remembered. Um, sometimes we remember the inaction of our friends more than we remember the uh, brutality of, of of our enemies as as Palestinians. And I think the word NGOs, governments, just individuals, people, ordinary people can do a lot more than protesting. They can send boats and ships, and it was done in the past to break the siege of Gaza. The Mavi Marmara is an example. It was a Turkish ship that was killed. I mean, attacked by by Israel, where eleven people were killed while they tried to to break the siege of Gaza. Uh, there was another initiative. Uh, I think also. The Ottoman Empire in the past helped with the Irish famine and Irish people still remember this. Um, there is an initiative here, speaking from Istanbul, to send a thousand boats from the Mediterranean shores of, of Turkey to the uh, Gaza Strip, which is not too far away, by the way. Um so i think people can do a lot there sh- should be thousands of boats and delegations trying to to break the siege on gaza it's time if not now when
2: yeah great point um okay i know this is emotional it's been emotional for all of us thinking about this thinking about um you know yusuf's family about all those hundreds of thousands of families inside Gaza that are undergoing this kind of slow death of hunger but also of disease and you know it, people in the israeli government have actually talked about this i forget the name of the guy but he said you know so so they will get disease and die from disease and that will be good for us so you know all of these things that are being inflicted on gaza by israel do constitute genocide. And I think it was really good that in our last episode, we had Saul Takahashi talking about the Genocide Convention um, and and what we can do because under the Genocide Convention, all the states that are members of the convention, which is essentially nearly all the states in the world, are obligated to intervene, to prevent it going any further. Um, so... It's, what's the what's the Irish government doing, Tony?
0: You know, can I just make one and it's I wanna I wanna end on a hopeful note. You've saved the world, remember we remember our friends. Famously when we had the great hunger. Native Americans got together and sent a little—I think it was a hundred and seventy dollars—that they got together from the Choctaw Nation and sent them to Ireland to help us when we were at our lowest ebb, which was, you know, a huge gesture. And I don't know if you remember that there was floods and there was there was there was there was a catastrophe due to environmental implications last year. I believe it was uh, suffered by members of the Choctaw Nation, and someone in in Ireland said, "Well, we remember that, and we set up a GoFundMe." Uh, and they said, "We'll try and raise. We'll try and raise a few thousand quid." It raised nearly ten million, ten million euro. So, oh,
2: that's amazing! I never heard that story. Thanks, Tony, for sharing that. So,
0: so people will remember Yusuf, and people will. People are inher. I I believe people are inherently decent, even in this these times, and people will step up. Uh, as I said, there's a there's a beautiful Choctaw uh, memorial uh, in in Ireland to to remember the kindness they showed to to the Irish people at our lowest point, and we tried to return the favor in with that fundraiser. So, you know, there, there are there are there even right now. There's there's moments to be. There is there is a inspiration to be taken from things like that.
1: What a great story, uh, Tony, to to conclude with. And uh, I also have my, you know, um, story to tell to the world. From Gaza, I would like to congratulate the Israeli military for encircling the last operating hospital in the north of Gaza, the Kamal Edwan Hospital, where thousands of Palestinians were displaced and where hundreds of injured Palestinians are laying on the ground, uh, there. Uh, I think we have to congratulate the, the Israeli military, uh, for being able to, 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 uh, encircle this hospital and shoot at Palestinians there. What a great, uh, military target indeed. Um, our listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening, um, to, to this episode of Palcast, uh, brought to you by, um, the Eco Chamber uh, podcast, Tony Grouse, um, Helena Coban the head of uh, Just Word uh, Educational uh, in Washington, D.C., and myself, Yusuf al-Jamal, a refugee from Anasirat Refugee Camp. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, continuing this podcast and speaking to you on other important Uh, subjects relating uh, to to the plight of the Palestinian people in Gaza and the genocide taking place. Uh, I would like also to uh, remind you to follow us, subscribe um, to the podcast and uh, finally I would like to thank our new sponsors, the Hashem Sani Center for Palestinian Studies in in Malaysia um, for supporting uh, our work and I'm looking forward to uh, speaking to you again uh, this week.
2: Thanks, Yusuf.
0: Bye, everybody.